As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we're waiting for you. And tonight, we're going to have a blast, and we're going to see tonight what we can practically do to build a barricade so the devil can't get into our personal affairs. We've been talking about the devil for a week, but tonight we're going to get really practical about what we can do to build a barricade to keep him out of our family, our finances, our health. You can keep him out. And hey, guys, it's a lot easier to keep him out than to get him out after he gets in. Now, if he already got in, you can get him out. You have the authority to do that, and other believers can help you. But better to make sure he never gets in. And I want you to download the free study guide that goes with tonight, and it's called How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life. It's 10 lessons. You can get it at our website, and it's free. And it comes with a study guide that comes in 10 parts. And I want to mention that right now, we're also offering you my book called Dress to Kill. If you don't have this book, please order this book. It is a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. The top of it says, you don't have to take it anymore because you're dressed to kill. And the back of it says that it is a classic on spiritual warfare. You know, that is quite an honor to even say that. Mm. I was just earlier today thinking about our lives. I like it when you're so dramatic. Am I being dramatic? I'm just being me. When you're dressed to kill. Hey, but I was, <laughs> I was, I think it's fun. I was thinking about this book earlier today and the very week before we moved to the Soviet Union, Brother Hagen quoted from this book. He laid it on the pulpit at the Winter Bible Seminar and read from it and told people to order this book. That is one of the greatest honors I've ever wow. had in my life. And you have a copy of that recording. I do have a copy of it. And if he had never told anybody to buy it, it would have been fine. Just the fact that he used my material. I mean, what a respected man of God. Brother Hagen was so precious. Yes. But anyway, he told everybody to get this book. If you don't have this book, Kenneth Hagin said, this is a book you need to read, so get your copy. And if you don't want the big version, there's a small version called Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy, Overcoming the Wiles, Devices, and Deceptions of the Devil. But welcome, guys. Denise, you look beautiful. Well, thank you. Home group, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. And we're not here by ourselves because the Word of God says that we're two or more are gathered together in His name. He's there. Then there He is in the midst of us. Amen. And we have that promise. And, I, and I'm believing that God is going to answer some of your questions tonight. Yes, amen. And minister to you because that's who He is and He's in the midst of us. Paul, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that we can be here together. Thank you for joining us again. Usually during the home group, we talk about what my father usually speaks about in the regular Rick Renner teaching program. If you haven't seen that or if you don't know about it, I'm sure you can look it up on renner.org. It will be very helpful for you. But today, it's always fun. We just kind of talk about how to practically use or how to practically do what the Word of God says, and we do it as a family along with you. And Comment. Along with you. Comment. We're doing it with you. Joel, welcome. Well, I watched today's TV program. Thank you. I watched today's TV program, and I know what we're going to talk about tonight. I have insight. And what we're going to talk about, I'm really looking forward to, because there's seven steps 
that you can implement in your life that will help you. And today I think we're just going to get into a few of them, but it's going to be good. Yes, we are. But I want us to go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Are you guys ready? Ready. We've been looking at verse 8. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant. Vigilant, the Greek word Gregory, build a barricade because somebody evil wants to get on the inside. You can do something to make sure he never gets in. And then he tells us who the evil one is because your adversary, the prosecutor, the devil. He's talking about the devil. As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. He may devour. The word devour is the Greek word katapino. Now, if it was just the word pino, guys, it would have been terrible because the word pino means to drink. But if it's the word catapino, it means to drink down or to slurp, which means the devil's not just after victimization. He's after liquidation. He wants to slurp you up till there's nothing left of you. But you can keep him out. Mm -hmm. But the verse says he's looking for whom, whom, he may destroy, which means he's looking for a specific candidate. Which means he can't just attack everyone. No, he cannot. I like to say to look at the animal kingdom. You know, when I was growing up, I used to watch that TV program every week with Marlon, whatever his name was. It was Wild Kingdom. Uh-huh. And there he was always out in the Africa or somewhere with all the animals. And they always showed that the lions and the hyenas, they looked for the straggler that was not in the pack. That's the one they looked for. They knew they couldn't take down an animal that was in the middle of the pack. So they looked for a straggler. They looked for whom they could devour. And Peter's talking about lions. And he says the devil works like a lion. It's really hard for the devil to take down, for example, somebody who's strong in faith. It's really hard for the devil to take down somebody who's reading the Bible. It's hard for the devil to take down somebody who is at church and is in the midst of a big support structure. So the devil's really looking for people that are stragglers, out of fellowship, doing something wrong. He's looking for whom he may devour. Okay, that, all of that is in verse 8, but today we need to go on to verse 9. Look at verse 9. And in verse 9, 1 Peter 5, 9, Peter continues and he says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith? Two really important words here. The word resist and the word steadfast. The word resist is the Greek word enthystomy, which means to stand against, stand against him. It means to stand in opposition to. It demonstrates the attitude of one who is fiercely opposed to something and therefore determines to do everything within his power to resist it. It's not just happenstance, resistance. He's doing everything in his power to resistance, to withstand, to defy. Militarily, it is the very word used to depict a pre-planned resistance. It means to arrange oneself against, to strategically oppose. It is an orderly and planned resistance. Mm -hmm. So when Peter says whom resist, he's not saying in an emergency moment at the last moment. He's saying construct your life in such a way that if the devil tries to get in, he can't get in there. You've, You've actually helped me. Yesterday's program and today's program has already helped me because when I looked at the word antihistamine, which is against and stand, stand against or lean against something, 
stand across from something, pushing it away. I've always thought that that means that when the devil comes, get ready to stand against, push him away. Get ready to put all your energy into forcing him out of your space. And once he gets out of your space, you can kind of, you know, let him roam and do his own thing. Well, it can mean that, but it's bigger than that. You've added something totally new. We don't have to wait until he comes to resist. That's right. We can resist the devil before he even comes with an attack. That is awesome. Actually, we do this in every area of our lives. That's right. We set up video cameras and video surveillance. Video cameras, surveillance. We have uh, signalization. What do you call that in English? An alarm system on yep. your car. People put bars on their windows. Why? Because they're because not they're using their brain. They're not waiting. They're making sure that an intruder never gets in. Mm-hmm. That's what Peter's talking about. And then he goes on to say, resist steadfast in faith. Okay, hold on. The word steadfast is the word stereos, which means to bolster or to reinforce, in this case, to bolster or to reinforce your faith. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Are you ready? Ready. We like stories. All right. Years ago, we bought a big building in the city of Moscow. Big, big building. We were like in the real estate business for years, scouring the city, looking for a building. In fact, Paul, you can just testify. There's hardly an area of Moscow we can't drive through where as we drive, we say, remember that building? Remember that building? I I was looking for a new space. We're we're expanding. We're looking for a new space for our Southwest campus right now. Please pray for us about this. We're we're right in the process of choosing a space for the Southwest campus. We already have a church in the Southwest of Moscow. Our main campus is located in the East of Moscow. Forgive me for all the details, but it was a two and a half hour drive for me to get to the Southwest campus today. And it's all, you never leave the city. That's not even all the way across the city. No, it was two and a half hour. And we, me and uh, our assistant pastor have a joke. Every time we drive to the Southwest Church, uh, I call him about midway and say, you know, Andre, it's a long way. And he said, oh, I forgot to warn you. It's a long drive. And on my way back and on my way there, I kept seeing buildings that I've been in before. I was like, I've been there, been there. We wanted to buy that. We... Almost signed for that building. It was... I mean, we were like in their full-time real estate building. It was off the story, but you just said so many buildings. I was like, driving through Moscow now, I was like, well, we tried to do church there. We thought but you about know doing what? it there. It really taught us the city. It was God's plan for us. It was God's plan. It really showed us the city. Sometimes you've got to go through a long process, but you learn everything through long processes. Anyway, we finally bought a building. Now, what did we buy? We bought a huge abandoned derelict building. When I say derelict, was it derelict, guys? I mean, it was totally gutted. And it was the former conference hall, big, big conference hall, that belonged to the Russian Space Agency, and it's actually attached to the Russian Space Agency. But they sold it to a company back in the Yeltsin years who gutted it, never finished it, just stood there empty. Well, the reason we bought it is because it had potential and because it was cheap by Moscow standards. It was $5.3 million. That's really cheap by Moscow standards. Of course, you couldn't meet in it, didn't have a seat, didn't have an electrical wire, didn't have any walls. It was just a big, empty, empty building. It had a roof, though. It did have a roof. 
it did have a roof and it did have a floor. That, we had to rip the floor out. <laughs> and we had to redo the roof. <laughs> and we had to redo the floor. So here's my point. We bought the building. Oh, we're shouting hallelujah, praise God. And by the way, the only reason we can do things like that is because of partners that help us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's a facility in Moscow that's going to serve God's people for generations because of what partners did. But we bought the building. And I was in the TV studio one day working right here. And between filming programs, I got a phone call from our administrator. And he said, we have a little problem at the building. Well, we were at that stage where they had brought in all the jackhammers. Oh, I know this. And you know, jackhammers are really powerful. When those jackhammers go to work, dust flies, everything starts moving. And the floor of the building was like this. So we had to jackhammer the floor out and pour a new level floor. So the jackhammers are going and they're doing their job. And all of a sudden, the director of the Russian Space Agency. Now, we're not talking about a low-level person. We're talking about the director. That would be like the director of NASA. Shows up in our building with somebody from the FSB, which to you would be the KGB. And there they are standing in our building. And they said to our church administrator, turn off those jackhammers. If you don't turn off the jackhammers, we're going to cut the electricity to this building. He said, well, what's wrong? Why do we have to stop doing our work? And they said, because there's something about this building you don't know. Well, what would it be? We had done all of our due diligence. We had done everything. When you buy a building in Russia, let me tell you, there's documents and documents and documents and documents and documents, and we and our attorneys have gone through all the documents, and now they're saying there's something about the building that we don't know. And he said, well, you want to tell us what we don't know about our new building? And they said, under this building, there is a secret laboratory. Okay. In fact, the reason this building is here, this building was to camouflage the laboratory that is under it. This was built as a camouflage. Okay. What kind of laboratory? I'm wondering, is it like nuclear stuff? Is it what, toxic? What is it? We later actually did tests to make sure that there was no radiation in the building. We did. We had to do a lot of tests. And they said, under your building is the laboratory where all the microscopic parts are made for the Russian space station. They are so delicate and they are so microscopic that it has to be a dust-free zone and your jackhammer is moving dust. And if a piece is destroyed or affected and the Russian space station has a problem, we're going to hold you and your church accountable. Well, hey, that is pretty serious. And I have to tell you, that was one of the worst days I ever remember. Because finally we had a building. We had been shouting hallelujah, rejoicing, and all of a sudden we find out under our building is a secret laboratory. And I remember thinking, you know, our life is so interesting. We have had things happen to us that I don't know has ever happened to anybody else. I don't know a single pastor in the world that has a secret laboratory under his church. 
Have you ever heard of a pastor with a secret laboratory under his church? Or a church that bought land that had the subway underneath it? We had that too. Yeah, we had that too. Oh, so we had to stop the jackhammers. And before we could continue work on that building, what do you think we had to do? We had to increase the foundation. We had to wrap all the columns in steel. It put us back more than six months and... About a million dollars. A lot of money. We had to literally wrap every column in steel. Thick steel, like thick. I mean, in fact, you couldn't even see the columns anymore. It looked like the whole interior of the building was steel or ribbed in steel. All the walls had steel. We had to lay steel in the floors. We had to put steel everywhere. You know what we were doing? We were reinforcing the building. We reinforced that building so well that now we can run all over that building. We can do whatever we want to do. And nobody downstairs in the laboratory knows what we're doing because the building doesn't move. And by the way, we've been there. We have seen that laboratory. It's really there. Whom resists steadfast in faith. So it means to reinforce or to bolster. And every time I read that, I think about this. We had to reinforce our building. And when you reinforce a building, it's expensive and it takes time. But that's just what you got to do. And now you come to this verse and Peter says, whom resist steadfast, the Greek word stereos, which means to bolster or to reinforce and inherent in that word steadfast is the idea that you need to do whatever you have to do and take whatever time you have to take to make sure you have reinforced your life so the devil can't shake you. Mm -hmm. Isn't that powerful, Denise? It's really powerful. Um, I know a few years ago there were some things happening in our lives and and you know when the enemy comes and and sometimes the enemy comes to attack attack and you don't even know where it came from and and you're not you're not you not ready for it and you have to reinforce yourself you do and it 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 might take a little bit of a while to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, seeking the word of God, rebuking the devil, doing everything that you can, spending more time with God, checking your love life, your forgiveness life, your faith life, everything, checking, 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 so that you have a strong, you're, you're firmly planted. Reinforced. Reinforced. And with a firm footing, it might take some time, but when you get that firm footing, you're not going to be moved. And don't get in a hurry because this might take a little time. Might take a little time to reinforce yourself. But here's the RIV. What does RIV mean? Renner's Interpretive Version. Renner Interpretive Version. Listen to the RIV. Whom you must strategically oppose, resisting his potential assaults by putting up a pre-planned resistance. You must do all you can to bolster and reinforce yourself in faith. Okay, well, today I want to give you one thing you can do to really bolster and reinforce yourself. Are you ready? We covered this several weeks ago, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. I just want to be really practical with you because we're talking about building a barricade to make sure you're not attacked. And number one is spend time with God every morning in the morning. 
And the verse is Psalm 5, verse 3, which says, are you ready for this? Psalm 5, verse 3 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Now, we're all tempted to skip our morning time of prayer. Even this morning, I was tempted. I mean, I'm up, I'm doing what I do. And I was tempted just to kind of, just ah, you do that every day. You're going to be studying the Bible all day anyway today. Just skip that. You know what? Just tell that to shut up. You need to to reinforce yourself. This is for you. This isn't to gain brownie points with God. You can't gain any brownie points with God. You're already accepted in the beloved. This is not to improve your relationship with God. This is for you. I'm not sure everybody understands what brownie points mean. Well, they understand. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. And David says, in the morning, I'm going to look up. And here's what I learned, and Denise and I learned together. About over a decade ago, when we were going through a really rough time, I was totally emotionally fried. I'd worked harder than I should have worked, and I was susceptible in areas of my life, and I just was such a mess. I had to construct a way to reinforce myself. And I was so given to my emotions at that time that I learned if I didn't look up first thing in the morning, probably very quickly I was going to start looking down. It's bad to wake up in the morning and you're already looking down. Mm -hmm. It's bad when you wake up in the morning and you're looking at your watch wondering when you can go back to sleep so you don't have to think about your day. If you feel that way, I have been there and I understand it. Denise used to look at me and she would say, Honey, we only have today. You know, sometimes you've got to take it one minute at a time, one hour at a time. And that's where I was at that time in my life. And I learned to reinforce myself by starting my day by looking up. Now, most people don't pray because they think it means they have to intercede for an hour or two hours. I don't do that, and I've never done that. I'm just not made that way. Denise can do that. That's just not me. But in the morning, I'm laying in bed anyway. I'm already looking up. Since I'm already looking up, why not just talk to Jesus? And Denise can tell you, before I swing my feet out of the bed and put them on the ground, I'm looking up. I want my very first thoughts to be toward Jesus. I immediately thank Him for a good night's sleep. I thank Him every morning because sleep is a gift. Sleep is really a gift. You need to be grateful for sleep. I had a time in my life when I could not sleep. Sleep really is a gift. I immediately pray for Paul. I pray for Philip. I pray for Joel. I pray for their wives. I pray for all of our grandchildren. I pray for Denise's sister, my sisters, Denise's brother. I pray for Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. I pray for Wally and June Bloom, dear friends of ours. I pray for some friends in Oregon and in Claremore. I pray for a group of people. I pray for all of our partners, all of our TV family, our home group family. You say, wow, you must pray for a long time. A long time, about a minute. It takes about a minute for me to go through all of that. You say, a minute? Yeah, a minute. Jesus said very clearly, you're not heard for your long prayers. It's not the length of your praying, it's the sincerity and the faith that's mixed with it. I'm very sincere when I'm laying there looking up. And by the time that I put my feet on the ground, wow, what a foundation for my day. 
I've already committed my day to the Lord. And I start the day looking up. Even when I see Zhuzha, our Sharpay, every morning when she comes in from going outside, I scratch her under the chin. And every day I say, Zhuzha, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> I even tell you this too, the dog, you know why? Because I'm looking up. Amen. Well, think how many people start the day reading their text messages. That's a bad way to start your day. Or the news. Ay, 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 or the news, or your spouse. If you look at your spouse first, maybe your spouse is kind of in a strange mood. That can really throw you off really fast. Or your kids say something they shouldn't have said, or you start thinking about your money, or you start worrying about something. It's amazing you can start spinning out of control like this before you know it, and you're looking down. Well, David, who wrote the book of Psalms, don't you love the book of Psalms? Yes. I, I don't know how many times I've read it, maybe hundreds. David was a very emotional person. You can, you can read it in the Psalms. I mean, look how he describes himself. My feet are stuck in miry clay. My soul is in the bottom of the earth. David was a man who was really affected by his emotions. And he knew himself. You know, there's a great Greek philosopher who says you need to know yourself. You need to know about you. I know about me. And one thing I know about me is I need to start my day looking up. And David knew that about himself. And David said, in the morning, I'm going to look up. Now, what I'm talking about is so simple. But guess what? It will bolster your life. It will reinforce you. It will put your mind in the right place. Rather than wake up and be negative, immediately you'll start thinking about the lordship of Jesus and Jesus is in control. It just makes you start your whole day different when you start your day looking up. Joel? I'm thinking about these seven things. And really I'm thinking about weaknesses. Because you want to fortify your weaknesses. So you really have to know who, what your weaknesses are. You know, we might all have different problems. Maybe they're the same, probably not. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what your weaknesses are. If your weaknesses are you like to sit around and just watch TV forever, then you probably need to put a couple of barriers in your way to stop doing that, to do other things, productive things in your life. And there, there's many things you need to do to really find out what, what your problems are. Most likely you know what they are. But if you need help, you can ask some of your close friends, and they might point them out to you. But most likely, you probably know what they are. And they might not be the same that we all have. But these seven things are really practical that Dad's talking about. And I think it's, I think it's all useful. Well, we're almost out of time, but when we come back tomorrow, we're going to pick up on practical things you can do to really reinforce yourself. But aren't you thankful that we're not victims? Amen. I mean, we're not victims just waiting to be attacked and then trying to figure out what to do. You know, if that's you, you, you can figure out what to do. But better not to be attacked. Better to reinforce yourself. And just like our building, you guys remember, day after day, month after month, wrapping that steel around those columns, ay, 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 the money that it costs, the delay. But you know what? Today we have a building that is so strong, they tell us we could build on top of it if we wanted to. Because it is so reinforced. And that's what you can do. You can reinforce yourself. Peter says in the faith. You can do that. You need to listen to good faith teaching. You need to listen to good faith teaching that will reinforce you. Be careful to what you're listening to. You need to listen to what's going to reinforce you.
but we're out of time. This has been awesome. Remember, if you need prayer, write to us, prayer at runner.org, or call us, 1-800-742-5593. We'll be back tomorrow night. We're going to pick up right here. Sleep well, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.